Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Uh, it's Alberta. It's A-L-B-E-R-T-A. It's Alberta. A-B. Wildrose country. It would have to be Alberta that Trudeau would forget to mention. Anyway, it's the 150th anniversary, 150th birthday for this country. Huge day on Parliament Hill. Tens of thousands of people attending. Great coverage by uh, Global News with David Aiken and Vasya Kapelos. Anchoring the broadcast, you heard it here on uh, the Chorus Radio Network and on global television, of course. And uh, we will continue with our look at Canada Day coming up shortly. will be Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson. Usually what we do is we have some sort of idea. We tell each other by way of email what the issues are that we individually want to bring up. We didn't do this for Canada Day. We haven't alerted each other that what we want to talk about or what we're going to raise as far as Canada is concerned and Canada Day when the beauties join me at uh, the last half hour of the show. We'll also uh, be looking at uh, a new book that's called Reflections of Canada, Illuminating Our Opportunities and Challenges at 150 Years. It's published by the Peter Wall Institute for Advanced Thinking at the University of British Columbia. There are 41 essays by some of Canada's most critical thinkers. And uh, there's the positive and there's also the not-so-positive. And uh, we'll have Maxwell Cameron joining us. He's a political science professor at UBC. And his essay deals with the surprising defects in Canadian democracy and globalization's role in this. And law professor Margot Young, who's one of the co-editors of the book, will be with us as well. I want to talk a bit about immigration. Huge issue. Constantly. Huge issue. Year after year after year. Some of you heard me relay how I came to this country and relate my story about how I became a Canadian citizen. And at 13 years of age, I was reluctant to come here because... I thought everybody lived in igloos and polar bears were hanging around outside. What did I know? I was a kid in Switzerland. And uh, I got here and, man, those polar bears were, no. I got here and it was uh, it was just a, an amazing experience right from the very outset. We'll tell that story again another day. But we want to talk a bit about immigration from the immigrant's perspective and also from the non-immigrant's perspective. This country brings about 300,000 immigrants into, into our uh, borders, inside our borders annually, which per capita is either the largest percentage or very close to the largest percentage of any Western Hemisphere nation. Is that the appropriate number? Is it not? Are you satisfied with how immigrants assimilate into Canada? Is it an immigrant's responsibility to assimilate into our society, our existing society? Or does existing society benefit if the immigrant does not assimilate and actually just adds his or her cultural and homeland experience to what already exists here, which might be a clumsy way of defining multiculturalism? So we're going to do that. 
And I also want to get at the generosity that exists in Canada. Because last year, when that massive wildfire tore through Fort McMurray, and the residents of Fort Mac were evacuated and driving, we remember the videos, driving through these walls of flame and experiencing the kind of thing that would, you know, it's tough enough to watch on a video, to actually be there and and experience it would just be devastating. So uh, Stacy and Kevin, young couple, just earlier in the year were married last year. They've been on the air with us. We're on the air with us throughout the entire experience, the fire, the uh, the evacuation, and then post evacuation, then returning to Fort Mac, and Canadians stepped up fifty million dollars to the Red Cross. So we're going to talk to uh, Stacy and Kevin about the generosity of Canadians. But let's get at the issue of immigration. And my good friend Mario Canseco, who is an immigrant to Canada from Mexico, and uh, how did I do? Did I do say that properly? You said it perfectly, Roy. <laughs> oh, look, there's a future for me as a linguist. Uh, you and I have talked about immigration on the air and off the air. So here we are on the 50, 150th anniversary of, of Canada's founding. Let me just ask you first, before we get into any facts, figures, and numbers that the polling indicates, what is it that attracted you to Canada? What made Canada a part, such a significant part of Mario Canseco's life? Well, it really started because I was working as a journalist in Mexico. I had the opportunity to work in English a couple of times uh, when somebody uh, who spoke English came to the newsroom. Even, even though I was a news reporter and I was doing mostly sports, uh, I was the only one who spoke fluent English. And I started working more in English as a reporter, and I really liked it. And I thought, well, maybe I can do this uh, full-time and, and go to a specific place where I can work in English. And uh, Canada had the best opportunity for me. I applied to a couple of universities. I was accepted to UBC. Uh, came here when I was 27. And it's been a wonderful experience that I would not trade for anything in the world. Were you looking at any other countries uh, along with Canada at the time when you first started to explore the possibilities of leaving Mexico? Well, I thought a little bit about uh, the U.S., and it, it really wasn't the place where I wanted to go. Um, this is pre-9-11 and all of the craziness related to, to security. Uh, but it, it seemed like a place where I was always going to be seen as, as somebody who was different. I, I, I didn't uh, really look at the United States as a place where I could uh, do whatever I wanted or, or to essentially be given the chance to grow. Uh, I thought about the U.K. as well, but I knew some experiences from other Mexicans who have lived there and find it very difficult to actually stay uh, once you're done with your studies. So uh, Canada became the de facto number one choice. So you arrive in Canada, you get the, uh, you're admitted to UBC, you go to university, and has Canada turned out to be exactly or as close to exactly as possible? Uh, what you expected, Mario? Is it is it from from the immigrants' perspective? Somebody who's done extremely well as you have, and you work very hard at it. Has it has it been the country you expected it to be? Is it is it the warm and welcoming country um, today that it? I'm assuming it was when you first arrived. Um, it is. I think what's interesting about the way in which uh, it has evolved, I guess, is uh, the level of knowledge. I think. When I came here, I didn't know enough about the country, and I thought that if I had to stay here, I had to work very hard and, and read more and essentially become more informed about what was going on. And there was always somebody there who was willing to help. I had great classmates. I had great teachers. 
And I think what I, what I really like about this is there's this willingness to help. And, and I think this isn't something that I have experienced in other countries where I lived or where I visited, where there's somebody there who's going to be holding the door, who's going to be waiting for you, who's going to be there to say something nice. And it's ultimately, for me, what we do when nobody else is watching that matters. And I think Canadians do it more than anybody else. All right, Mario, hold on. When we come back, you and I will talk about it, or I'll ask you questions. and. I'll he- wait for your answers. We'll, we'll find out how Mario Canseco and Insights West has found the numbers stack up and what it is that Canadians, immigrant and non-immigrant, how they view the immigration issue, the immigration question, what is important, what's less important, and what it is that's expected by both the immigrant and the non-immigrant. I hope I haven't taken Mario someplace where they haven't done the polling. I'm sure they have. We'll come back in a minute. Roy won't take no or no comment sitting down. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Hello, mes amis. Nous parlons maintenant le français, hein? Euh, je pense que c'est euh, très important parce que c'est un euh, pays avec euh, les deux langues officielles. So that takes care of that for me. Mario Canseco is the vice president of Insight West and uh, Pauline. How's my French? No, your French is great. You know, it's been interesting because when I have my citizenship ceremony, you have to do it in French and English, and uh, we struggle a little bit with the French. Yeah, so you and I could do this, this whole show in French. We could try. I don't know if people will stay tuning. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I just spent the last 10 years in Quebec, you know, so I, I certainly, my French improved along the way. Mario, what is the most, when, when you look at immigration, and uh, you, you have this extra perspective because you're the immigrant who came to Canada. You're the one who's, who's watched this country evolve over, what, about 25 years, 27 years or so? It's going to be 17 in August. <laughs> So, so I've been here a long time. Uh, what is the, what's the most interesting question that you think you've asked Canadians about immigration? And what's the most interesting sort of response that you received? What, what do Canadians want to talk about when it comes to immigration? Well, uh, for starters, I think there's a very interesting urban-rural divide. And there's a couple of questions that, uh, that tend to be quite confusing when we're looking at the answers. Uh, there's the notion that immigration should actually focus on areas of Canada that are not quite as populated. So when you ask Canadians where immigrants should be settling, they're not necessarily thinking about the urban centers, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Calgary, for instance. They're, they're thinking more about maybe uh, immigrants should settle in, in areas where, uh, where there are fewer people. Uh, so there's a little bit of that urban-rural divide. Um, but what's, what's interesting also is the way in which we look at the behavior of immigrants or at the way in which they embrace Canadian culture has changed drastically. And when I first asked about this back in 2007, we continued to see more people who said we should be a mosaic, respect the differences and, and see what is going on. We shouldn't be like the state, which is more like a melting pot. And over the past decade, the numbers have changed. I think there's a a need for, for most Canadians, uh, not only those who were born here, but also those who have been here for a long time and have actually become citizens, to look at the new uh, population, embrace Canadian values, and, and, and look at things very differently than they would have 10 years ago. Do we know what Canadian values are? Well, that's the other thing, right? I think it's, it's quite fascinating in the sense that in the last federal election, 
um, we didn't really have a lot of uh, clarity on, on, on what type of immigration policy was going to be coming out of the three major parties. And one of the things that definitely hurt the federal conservatives was the essence of looking at immigration in a negative light, uh, setting up a hotline for crimes, uh, talking about uh, rejecting citizenship claims, uh, changing the, the reunification guidelines, for instance. So uh, the immigrant community, and I know this for a fact because we did a lot of polling on this uh, in the lower mainland where there's a, a very large salvation and East Asian community, People weren't happy, and these are voters who had supported the federal conservatives in the past, and they weren't happy with the fact that immigration was always being discussed in a negative light. Mm. So that definitely played a role in some of the seats that they lost here. When it comes to assimilation, and I think a a majority of, uh, if I remember polling numbers correctly, a majority of Canadians want to see a better um, effort made at assimilating into, into Canada by newcomers. Is that, first of all, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. I think we have seen this consistently for the past few years. Um, there's always uh, the, the story that, that makes people uneasy. Uh, the, the reports, uh, for instance, related to domestic violence, to uh, specific criminal ac- activity that uh, might make Canadians uh, assume that uh, a couple of people are responsible uh, for the entire community and that the entire community behaves in the same fashion. I think that definitely plays a role. Uh, but there's also an emphasis in essentially trying to figure out if we can function as a, as a community. And I think we're doing a lot better than other places. Uh, reports coming out of specific areas in the U.K., for instance, uh, are different from what we experience in specific places within the country. So I think we're doing a lot better than the U.K. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not perfect when, when we ask Canadians what they would like to see happen. Okay, because the next question that I have really piggybacks on that question, and that is, do people who've been in the country for a significant period of time, they're immigrants to Canada, they've become Canadian citizens, like perhaps you, without specifically mentioning you, but someone with the same profile, do those newcomers to Canada who've been here for a long time, have become Canadian citizens, would they look at the new wave of immigrants that are coming into Canada now and expect them to assimilate better, more quickly, than might have been the perception or the reality over the last 10 years? And I'm, t- I'm, using no the ten- I'm taking the 10-year number, just grabbing it out of thin air. Well, there's no question that those, those who have settled already uh, would like to see the newcomers uh, essentially behaving in the same fashion. And I think what is going on, particularly in the big cities, is uh, you have a, a scenario where people don't get along uh, outside of their peer groups, so to speak. And I think this, this has been a major issue, particularly uh, here in the Lower Mainland, uh, in Vancouver, where there's a new type of immigrant uh, who has a lot of money, who buys properties, who is driving around in Lamborghinis that have the end sticker. And that definitely plays a role in the way other Canadians feel about those specific communities. And I think it's been very uh, difficult for some immigrants who have settled to look at this new poor group of immigrants who are coming in saying, well, you're not really embracing Canadian culture. Um, what is going to happen down the road with these guys? Okay. In about 30 seconds, what's the most important aspect of the immigration question? What's, what's number one? Well, for a long time, it was security. And I think that had a lot to do with the situation that we encountered after 9-11. Um, it was mostly, okay, whoever wants to be here can be here, but we need to make sure that we have a system that that um, um, looks at everybody and, and 
essentially guarantees that there's nobody who's going to be getting in here who's going to be coming across. Um, that, made, that made a lot of sense. I think now, um, because the security situation, even though we're still at, at, at high alert and we've seen it happen in other countries, we're not at the same scenario that we were five or ten years ago. So I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that you're bringing people who will embrace Canadian culture. Uh, and, I mean, there's, there's so, so many ways to look into this issue, but ultimately it is, this is a place where you can rebuild your life if you're coming out of an area that has been, you know, torn by war, or if you're looking for a better opportunity for your children or yourself, this is the place to do it, but you have to do it within the guidelines. Uh, this is the place where our motto is peace, order, and good government. So yeah. you have those three, you can build your life again. Happy Canada Day, Mario. Happy Canada Day, Roy. Thanks for the time. And uh, starting next weekend, of course, you mentioned the Lower Mainland. Starting next Saturday, this program is going to be back on CKNW Radio in Vancouver. We'll be happy to hear you once again in this area, Roy. Well, I was waiting for you to say that. (laughs) Thanks, Mario. All the best. Mario Canseco from Insights West, Vice President of Insights West. Okay, I have a question for you. At 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. When it comes to immigration, when it comes to immigration, first of all, do you support the number of immigrants that are brought into this country annually, which is around 300,000, just slightly more, I think. And that's the highest or very close to the highest um, per population number in the Western Hemisphere. So is that a good number? Is it not enough? Is it too many? You support the numbers of immigrants who are coming into the country. And then secondly, should newcomers to this country assimilate better Do newcomers to Canada have a responsibility to assimilate into the daily life, the activities, and the Canadian values better than they are? You know what the opposite point of view is? Wait a minute, they're already doing it. Or they don't need to. 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. Do newcomers need to assimilate better than they are? Or are things just fine the way they are? 800-263-2428. If you are a newcomer yourself, I want to hear from you and multi-generational Canadians as well, because we live side by side, right? Sometimes it feels like we live in a vacuum. Those are the conversations we hear. But is there enough assimilation, appropriate assimilation taking place? And should there, should the assimilation be better or is it okay the way it is? 800-263-2428. Emails Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. On Twitter at The Roy Green Show. We're back after this.